of Holiness podcast with Reverend Carolyn Moore and Reverend Pierce Drake. Join us today as we lean into practical holiness, intergenerational relationships, and supernatural ministry. This is a New Room Network podcast. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Hello, people. It is so good to be with you one more time on The Art of Holiness. Pierce is still on vacation. and I don't want to call it vacation, actually. It is a glorious uh, celebration of 10 years of marriage to my daughter, Claire Marie Drake, and they are coming home today. They are on the plane, even as I speak, coming home from their uh, tour through uh Scotland and England, and I can't wait to hear all the good stories. I'm sure you can't either. So uh, in the absence of Pierce, it's just me one more time, but I am giving you one of the best conversations I think I've ever had on healing prayer with someone that many of us just know, love, and deeply respect. Dr. Steve Siemens has served as the professor of basic Christian doctrine at Asbury Seminary for close to 40 years. And in addition to that class, he taught Introduction to Spiritual Warfare, Introduction to Healing Prayer, a class studying the life of of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, He was the teacher when I was there 27 years ago, and he is teaching a class this this fall for one of my um, staffers. And so he is just an enduring name. He is poster child for Asbury and for all things to do with basic Christian doctrine and and for healing prayer. Oh my goodness. As he will say in this podcast conversation, it's not as if he hung a shingle up on his office door saying, I'm the person for healing prayer, but he has become such a mentor for so many and such a help for so many who have sought healing prayer and who have sought how to learn healing prayer. So he's authored authored a lot of books, including Wounds That Heal and Ministry in the Image of God, which is a Christianity Today book award winner. But his newest book out just this year through Zondervan is called Follow the Healer, Biblical and Theological Foundations for Healing Ministry. And why I love this book so much is it is not just one more how-to for healing. It is It takes us under the hood of healing ministry. And I have been so excited about the book because it roots the charismatic work of healing solidly in the Wesleyan tradition. So I hope you will stay through this whole conversation. Some of the best stuff is right there at the end when we talk about uh, the Trinity, and I will talk to you on the other side. I have been waiting for this book. I have been waiting for it, Steve. Um, with this book, you get to marry two things. You talk about a lot and with passion, the life of Jesus and the work of healing prayer. And, and it, that seems like an obvious marriage, but we are funny about how we connect things. We don't always root contemporary healing ministry in the life of Jesus. We figure it belongs under the heading of Holy Spirit, um, which of course it also does. But what we lose, I think, Having, having read your book now, what we lose when we don't connect the temporary, contemporary work with healing, uh, with, with the ministry of Jesus. Well, maybe that's better a question. What do we lose when we don't connect the contemporary work of healing with the ministry of Jesus? And what do we gain? Yeah. Um, well, let me just say, first of all, I think that, um, when you look just historically, 1875, 
there's a healing revival, an emphasis on healing that begins. And then, of course, uh, around 1900, the Pentecostal movement, uh, emphasis on the, the Holy Spirit and the gifts mm -hmm. of the Spirit and all of that. And then healing has been focused there, as you have said, um, and praise God for that. We're thankful for that. But, you know, right. I used to teach a course on the, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I think as I reflect on this question, I think you actually kind of lose the same things that um, you tend to lose in, in the misunderstandings that people have about the Spirit to start with. And that is the people tend to have a hard time with uh, fathoming the personal nature of the Holy of the Holy Spirit. That is, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not mm -hmm. simply a force or an influence. Mm -hmm. And actually, a lot of the images in the Bible for the Holy Spirit, like wind and fire, etc., are impersonal. But paraclete is a more personal one. And we know he's the third person of the Trinity. Right. So, um, so there's something, you see, Ultimately, healing is about relationship. You know, mm. um, yeah. God's more in interested in bringing us to a place of deeper relationship with himself. He wants a relationship with us. Uh, yeah. You know, he doesn't want to just make us feel better and make problems go away. He wants a deeper relationship. And so if you focus exclusively on the spirit in healing, it's easier, I think, to miss th that, that God wants a relationship with us, okay? Um, and, of course, focusing on Jesus, uh, I think, helps us get that in clear focus, that, that what God wants is a relationship with us. And he wants to take us into a deeper relationship with himself. And healing, of course, is part of that. Uh, but it's not the ultimate goal or end, okay? The mm -hmm. other thing is, um, I think there's been a tendency with the work of the Spirit, when you divorce the work of the Spirit from the work of Jesus, that you tend to focus on the Spirit as a force or an influence, you know? And something, again, impersonal, like, you know, the Star Wars, the Force may be, the, let the Force be with you, that sort mm -hmm. of thing, you know? Um, but... Um, what the what what we have, what we have to understand here is that healing flows out of out of something deeper in God than just power, you know. Yes. Some people think of the Holy Spirit as a kind of a divine zap or a power up, kind of like in a video game, you know, right. like Mario's mushrooms. They right. get, they get, and uh, is that is that really you know what it's really all about? No, as there's, it's coming out of God's. He wants relationship, and he wants us to know his love. And those mm -hmm. are the kinds of things that get missed. I think when mm -hmm. you focus exclusively on the spirit and healing, yeah. um, you also finally just lose the kind of moral and ethical grounding okay it, you know when someone says the spirit made me do this 
And then they tell me what the spirit made. You know, I'm always asking the question, um, did the spirit make you do something that made you more like Jesus? Or mm -hmm. did the spirit make you do something that I think Jesus would do? See, that mm -hmm. kind of helps norm the work of the spirit. If you know what I mean, it helps me to know right. what was from the spirit and maybe what was just from the flesh or from, uh, you know, it could even come from a, a demonic spirit. Right. Um, so when you lose the Jesus and you separate the Holy Spirit, you lose the moral and ethical grounding. And and uh, we, we know there's been a lot of uh, examples of that where folks have, you know, gone off the deep end. Mm -hmm. And they've lost the moral and de and ethical dimensions of the spirits of the of Jesus because they've and 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 the work of the spirit because they've separated those two. Well, I didn't answer that very well, Carolyn. But it, just <laughs> a, uh, oh uh, yeah, you did, and you kind of it, set me up for the next question, which is yeah. kind of a I'm lobbing a softball at you because you've asked this question and and you answer it in your book. Um, why does Jesus heal? Yes, because, um, and, and here again, um, there's a lot of emphasis in the New Testament on the, on the kingdom of God and healing that, uh, you know, healing is, is, you know, along with preaching, uh, is the primary sign that the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, you know, the healing miracles show that. But ultimately, I believe that healing is more about love yeah. than it is about power. Mm-hmm. That is to say, it's more, of, it flows out of God's love for his fallen creation, his broken creation. Jesus says, I only see what I do, what I see the Father doing. And it's that, it's that heart of Trinitarian love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that overflows. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's out of that that Jesus heals. And of course, there's a lot of um, evidence of that in the New Testament. You know, in the story of Lazarus, three times we're told Jesus loved Lazarus, and he weeps in that situation as mm -hmm. a kind of an expression of that, and the people around him see see how much he loved him. And then there's that uh, crazy Greek word in the Synoptic Gospel, splachnizomai, which is this this really strong word that talks of that's really talking about something that flows out of your guts, you know, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and it's out of Jesus had compassion on them. And he healed out of compassion. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I think that ultimately healing is about the love of God. Uh, and as I say, you know, sometimes it's not enough. Love has to do more than just send a Hallmark card. Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, love acts powerfully at times. Mm -hmm. But uh, ultimately, it's about love. And, well, that's really important, I think, to get that for healing for people in healing ministry, because what that does, if you understand that, is when you're with someone and you're praying with them and you're trying to, to help them in, in, in their healing journey, um, ultimately what you want to want to see happen is them experience God's love for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, I'm more and more convinced that it's actually that experience of his love shed abroad in their hearts through the Holy Spirit that actually is the thing that heals them. Wow. That's especially true in emotional and spiritual healing. Yes. You know, that in itself yeah. is profoundly healing. Yeah. So you that know? love is the power. 
It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Um, and um, it's kind of I'm kind of bringing together a couple of experiences in my mind from my own life of healing prayer. And one is that for years I have said, tell me if I'm right or wrong about this. But for years I have said that or at least suspected that it's love that God uses in our prayers, that that it's not the words, it's not the technique, it's the love he uses in our prayers. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, uh, so much of that is, you know, creating that context where this person feels genuinely, deeply loved. Yeah. And the way, of course, that we go about approaching them has a lot to do with that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 that very framework uh, then enables the, the Lord to work in their life. And oftentimes it's not so much some specific word of advice that we give them. Or right. some, you know, it's just, right. they, we create a context where, where love can reign, as it were, where love is free to move. And, uh, and we get rid of some things, maybe some barriers that have kept them from experiencing God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a technique that I use in healing prayer. And I noticed this a year or so ago, that I had become so used to my technique that when someone came to my office and they sat down and needed healing prayer, I would walk through my technique and I I could be pretty disinterested. Not I don't mean that in a uh-huh. not even present kind of way, but then there was a there was a, an emotional disconnect with the experience that the other person might have been having. And what I noticed was that God was not so interested in my way of doing it that way. He didn't want to see me get disconnected from the other person emotionally and from the other person's experience. And so I don't think that it's that God needs us, or at least I don't think I learned from that, that God needed me to churn up some emotional feeling about the other person. But I do think he was challenging me to experience in that other person, what he experienced in that other person, that I I was also a, not just a channel of a process, but a channel of God's love, so that it wasn't just my love for them God was using, it was his love for them poured through me. Does that, am I making that up, or is that? No, uh, no? And, and one of the things, you know, when I'm... Uh, with people and praying with people or just sometimes I'm having a little conversation with somebody in the middle of the hallway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they start sort of sharing some things uh, uh, basically out of their pain and their brokenness. You know, mm-hmm. some, uh, a lot of folks just carry so much. They, they're not adverse to sharing it with you. And mm-hmm. I find that as they share that something is stirring in me. I'm mm-hmm. feeling some compassion, some love that right. I know is kind of not really mine, particularly. Yeah. That is a signal to me. Yeah. That Jesus wants to do something. It's like I've kind of gotten connected to the compassion of Jesus. And then and then out of that, you know. Yes. They experience the, the the love of Jesus. It what that is for me. I know specifically in those hallway kinds of things. I know right then I'm supposed to say to that person, "Hey, can I pray for you?" 
you know, yes. even though we may be just in the, you know, and then I'll start praying because it's like the Lord's letting me know, you know, and I've gotten connected to the compassion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't think those of us that are in healing prayer ministry always necessarily do that. I don't mm-hmm. think we should put that kind of a burden on ourselves, like you said, but, uh, but I do think, yes. And, and one of the things that I pray, I pray as I'm with people and they're talking is, Lord Jesus, what are you, what are you feeling here? Yes. What are you sensing here? And so often, I don't know, Carolyn, if you've had the experience with some, when you're with someone to, uh, you know, to say, Lord Jesus, would you come and show this person where you were when they were yes. experiencing yes. that trauma? Oh, yes. You know? And yeah. And when the Lord Jesus begins to show them and they get a they get a they get connected to his compassion and and his love and they and they see the tears in his eyes. You know what I'm saying? They see his yes. uh, what was going on there. Boy, that in itself blows them away. Yes. And is profoundly healing and it kind of changes the nature of the memory. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My 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 husband had that experience. Uh it was a a huge healing moment for him when he saw the well the Lord actually kind of spoke uh into a moment it was a, it was a moment that Steve was really struggling to reconcile and it had been a, a just a just a sticking place with him. And one day at an altar, these things don't have to happen at an altar, but this one did. So I don't downplay the significance of altar moments. Um, the Lord showed him, and it was a moment that had to do with me. And he said, I was with her the whole time. And when Steve heard that, I was with her the whole time, it totally shifted how he understood what had happened to me and how the Lord was present in that moment. And and all the anger fell away. All of the unforgiveness fell away. So it really is true that truth sets you free. And in these healing moments, particularly, it is it's truth we're after. It's not it's not just pain relief, right? <laughs> it's right. truth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I I love that you uh, quote Ken Blue's book Authority to Heal. It's one of my favorite books. Um, and I I want to. Um, I want to read this little quote. It's, it's one that I have used so often. I was so pleased to see that you landed on it also. You, you write this that Kim Blue wrote. Um, Jesus healed people because he loved them. Very simply, he had compassion for them. He was on their side. He wanted to solve their problems. God himself is distressed by our plight, and his emotional response is powerful. And that as I was kind of reading through everything and preparing for this conversation, I, that uh, quote reminded me of uh, a connection, a, a conversation that we've had on the Art of Holiness just last week with Becky Castle Miller, who researches and writes on the emotional life of Jesus. She talks about Jesus having this wide-ranging display of emotion, even things I don't necessarily call emotion. I don't know if I am the last person on board with this, but it not, had not occurred to me to think of compassion as an emotion. Oh, yeah. For me, it has always been, I think, more of a spiritual and maybe even, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can put a finger on what kind of response, but I had not connected it with my emotions. But she calls the compassion of Jesus an emotion and the mercy of Jesus. She calls an emotion. So now in this conversation we're having, I'm just thinking how valuable it can be to connect with the deeper, healthy emotions of Jesus because they bring healing and because it puts us, just as you've just said, it puts us in the, in the frame of Jesus' motivation for healing. We see right. that it comes out of his compassion or it comes out of his mercy or it comes out of his love. So, all of that is to ask this question. Can you say more about how our emotional health is connected to our capacity for being healed and for being healers? Well, um, I think that it's easy for me to talk about that because I think I got the reason I found myself really getting into healing ministry was uh, the result of a healing that happened in my own life mm. where, uh, you know, I was one of God's frozen chosen. Mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. uh, and well, going back to some um, some experiences as a, as a, a kid in boarding school, uh, right. separated from mom and dad eight, nine months out of the year. Right. And just sort of putting a kind of a, I used to call it a kind of a coconut shell around my heart to protect yeah. myself from the loneliness and the feelings, you know, I shut those things down. Yes. And, uh, and it was actually when I was about 40 years old, uh, when we were having some problems with one of our own kids at the time, uh, that I finally, I got connected to that childhood pain and that ache of mm. loneliness. And, mm. you know, that, that coconut shell, Jesus kind of came and cracked that thing yeah. <laughs> and began yeah. to open me up, you know. Wow. And so up until then, I was, you know, I could be very physically present sometimes to my wife and children, but not necessarily emotionally present, you know. Yes. And so when that began to happen, uh, what happened was, you know, I could then begin to connect with other other people and their pain, I had to deal with my own pain and acknowledge my own pain and get out of denial about that, you know, and yes. you might just say walk into that. And what that did is, well, it did two things. I think people intuitively knew they started knocking on my door. I didn't put a, a, a shingle mm -hmm. out there and said, you know, healing prayer minister or something like that. <laughs> but they, they seemed to know that I knew. There was something intuitively that connected me. And then um, I had eyes to see their suffering and their pain. Yeah. And if I, if I had not, in a sense, engaged that, I don't think I would have ever... Uh, really gotten into to this kind of ministry or written a book like this, you know. Uh, right. Um, I, I was pretty good at living out of my head. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. As an um, academic, you would as, be. Exactly, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, all that to say, it's, it's you know, I think that you you have to start growing in your own emotional health and get, yes. and and then that enabled you you know that enabled me to connect with the compassion of Jesus too mhm mm cuz if you if you know if you're shutting down your own pain 
those 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 receptors that you're sort of turning off, you might just say, so that you won't feel well. It's, that's affecting your ability to experience the pain of others or experience the compassion of Jesus. Yes, you know. And so, if we're gonna if we're actually going to get connected to His emotions, and His emotions are wide ranging, uh, right. Like Becky uh, Castle Miller, I think would would say, yes. you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, he could get angry. Yes, uh, you know, and um, and that's an emotion that most of us don't exactly know how to navigate at all. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we're anyway. He could. So Jesus wants to take our emotions and bring them into wholeness, so that then he can experience and he can he can convey his emotions through ours. You know, he wants yes. our emotions to be channels of his, but he right. can't do that when we're not emotionally, we're, let's just say, at least moving in the right direction or becoming whole. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't think I had really connected until uh, until this, until reading this book and really uh, a couple of other things. I don't think I really connected the importance of healing for damaged emotions, which is a phrase we all know really well, um, with with my role as a healer, yeah, I need to be healed. But does that really make a difference in how I and how I engage with others who who seek out healing from me? Does it really make a difference in my ability to use my gift? That seems like such an obvious statement. Now, of course, it does. Of course, it makes a difference. But, um, and it's not a codependent thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about feeling somebody else's feelings and then trying to fix, you know, being so, uh, so enmeshed with, uh, what they're feeling that I am not my own self. Like I don't have healthy distance. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about that the Lord actually does, really does, even in this work of healing, want to, want to work through us. And that's not just a, technique he wants to work through it's not just faith he wants to work through it's it's the whole the holistic thing it's 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 my mind and my body and my feelings which can be sanctified and used by god right yeah mm-hmm. his emotions he wants to unbind us you yes. might just say so that his emotions can then flow through ours and, then, and that yeah. you know and so and, you know, there's that passage in the Sermon on the Mount where, you know, it talks about the, if, you're, if your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. Yeah. You know, you can just see things when, you know, when the Lord has done a work in you to do, you might just say, uh, to, to, to do something about your eye. You know, Jesus, don't, don't criticize the person. You, you're seeing something in someone else. You're not looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you see things in yourself, you just automatically can see things in others without even anyone yes. telling you what, you know, or you, you didn't read a book about that. You just knew, you know, there's no, and that's a part of this whole thing. That's why, why we need to keep growing, I think, in our own emotional um, uh, health, as it were. Yes. And, uh, yeah. 
So you write, in healing prayer, as we participate in the healing ministry of Jesus, we find these three movements unfolding and providing us a pattern for ministry, incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. And then you go on in the book to connect those terms with affirmation, confrontation, and new creation. So can you... um can you help us understand how this all works together? Start with incarnation, which yeah. you link with the word affirmation. I love that connection. Yeah, you know, um, you think about actually the three movements of the church year, Advent, mm-hmm. Incarnation, Lent, Crucifixion, mm-hmm. Easter, Resurrection. We mm-hmm. actually play these out every year, as it, as it were. That's how important they are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when you think about the incarnation of, G- of God becoming one of us, mm-hmm. uh, what a great yes that was, to, uh, uh, an, or an affirmation of humanity. It's like God saying, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to diss you. I'm not going to, you know, well, let's, that one didn't work. Throw it away. Start again. You know, yeah. no, I'm going to actually, I love you so much. I be, I'm going to become one of you. And I'm yeah. going to redeem you from. So that word uh, uh, incarnation is God's great affirmation or yes to to humanity. He loves us yes. so much; he becomes one of us. Yes. Um, and then, of course, uh, crucifixion is confrontation in the sense that uh, to heal the brokenness of creation, God doesn't avoid uh, the suf- suffering. And the sin and the brokenness, but he, you might just say he, he bears it. He carries it. He, he, you know, Isaiah talks about uh, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all and he has borne our griefs and carried our sufferings. But he goes, Mm -hmm. you might just say he walks straight into it, doesn't avoid it. Right. Um, And so he confronts sin and evil. And human rebellion and death, as it were. So, if if incarnation signifies God's great yes, well, there's a kind of a no in uh, crucifixion. No yeah, like to human it. rebellion and sin, and you know He doesn't make light of those things, or He takes them dead seriously, and uh, it cr- created a death on a cross. Right. And then, of course, the resurrection is new creation. Uh, uh, that's the beginning of God's, of the promise, behold, I make all things new. Jesus mm-hmm. is given a resurrection body. And, mm-hmm. and so anyway, um, those three movements I'm suggesting in healing prayer ministry, we, uh, the first thing we do is we, we come alongside somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. We might. We might have a sense of some of the issues there, but we. But we listen to them. Yeah. And we. We don't judge them. Yes. We we create a relational bridge out to them. Yes. And relation and that relationship is critical. And without that, without that, mm-hmm. you really can't do much beyond that. You might just yes. say. That person's got to come to a point where they trust us to some degree. Yeah. And 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 are open to us. 
And uh, there again, we're creating that bridge where they can begin to experience love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, maybe our accepting them will help them quit beating themselves up. Yes. We'll help them to begin to be able to accept themselves and we'll help them begin to understand that despite what's happened, actually God accepts them. God says yes to them. Um, but then in healing prayer, there, there is a, there's, there's generally something that we have to kind of walk into together. You know, someone has said the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you miserable. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's, mm -hmm. there's that, uh, that there's oftentimes things that, uh, folks have to, have to own. Maybe they've been in mm -hmm. denial about what's been going on. Maybe there's mm -hmm. someone they've got to forgive. Maybe mm -hmm. uh, they've actually gotten comfortable with the wound in their life. Mm -hmm. And they've actually kind of learned to depend on it. It's all, it's sort of become an identity. And in order to actually experience healing, they're going to have to maybe let go of that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they have to, uh, to face the fact that, uh, you know, I haven't looked to Jesus for healing. I've, I've looked, I've looked to the refrigerator. I've looked to pornography. I've looked mm -hmm. to all the kinds of addictive behaviors that we turn to are really ways of, you might just say, numbing pain, medicating pain. And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, but, uh, maybe we're going to have to lay that down in order to, to let Jesus be our healer. You so all mm -hmm. of these kinds of things. And, and then sometimes, you know, when you walk into some of the pain and the deep things that with people, uh, they're they're going to have to they're going to have to lament, they're going to have to grieve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They may even find they they may even go into some depression. Mm -hmm. There are times you know when I've had to uh, get people to a a, a psychiatrist or, a, or at least a, a a doctor who could pres pres prescribe some. Uh, anxiety meds and some, you know, antidepressive meds because they were walking into some really deep things mm -hmm. and a lot mm -hmm. of depression as those feelings, as they were re-experiencing some of that was coming up. So that's what I mean by confrontation. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of, uh, you might just say they have to face the no, the negative. Mm -hmm. And then of course the good news is that, um, uh, you know, there's an empty tomb on the other side, and there is new creation. And and in healing prayer, we we see people, uh, you know, we see his healing love break through. Right. We, we <laughs> I think that's the reason I I I, uh, I love this kind of ministry where you see Jesus come and meet them, yeah. and yeah. the lights go on. You know, uh, you know that that old that verse in. And can it be, you know, long my imprisoned spirit lay fast mm -hmm. bound in sin and dark, uh, you know, thine eye diffused a, a quickening ray. The uh, I woke the chamber filled with light, you know, my my heart, my chains fell off. My heart was free. Yeah. You see that happening yes. when you do healing prayer ministry. Yes. And that's why those of us that do it, uh, enjoy doing it so much. We see There's nothing Jesus like come. it. There's nothing mm -hmm. like it. You know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and that's yes. the, that's that's why I really love this work you've done with kind of going underneath 
to the biblical and theological foundations for healing ministry because it wouldn't take me uh, any time at all to get to the excitement of resurrection, the, the resurrection side of healing prayer, right? I mean, yep, I'm all about the new creation. Let's see what we can do here. Let's see if we can see this person get set free. But it feels a little to me now like like the, the tendency could be, and I'm kind of coming back to something I've already said, learn a technique and then work that technique without having the theory beneath it that helps you really participate in a deeper and more and with more integrity in the work of God in the world. Um, so it's, it feels sort of like I, I could memorize a song, memorize the keys to play on a piano and, and know the song, actually make a song happen on the piano that sounds like the song it's supposed to be. But that doesn't mean a thing about I don't have any understanding of theory of music. I couldn't put those notes together in a different way. I don't know anything but the sort of the rote memory of this song. That, it seems to me, is where a lot of healing ministry has fallen mm-hmm. short. We want to learn the how, but right. not the why. We, right. we don't want to do that deeper digging, that deeper work into the biblical and theological foundations. What's beneath this? What what is you know what is God's great yes over this person's life and where's the incarnation present in this person's life and and what is the no in this yeah. person's life what is breeding death how am I helping this person and you know so much healing ministry for the, the I do a lot of emotional healing uh, right. prayer and so much of that is exposing the lie right but again understanding what what is beneath that? What is, what's God doing here? How is this, how has this infiltrated every area of this person's life? What are all the places where death has happened? Do I need to kind of do the thing sort of like the, you know, at the Passover where we go through the house and look for all the leaven, you know, do I need to look for every sign of death and do a more complete work? Um, so I'm not just excited by the initial pop. Because there is a there is a pop, and you can feel really good about it, but you have you done the whole work? So I don't even know if there's a question behind that so much as uh, an affirmation of 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 this study that you've given us. There's more to this than just a technique. This is not a how-to book. As so much as it is, no, no. I want to take you. I, I want to take you behind the screen. <laughs> Well, and you know, if you're just looking for the pop and you're focused on, okay, you might just say the end result here. Yeah. Um, you you uh, you don't take the time, as it were, to do the work. Right. Uh, the the fruit of that in someone's life, it, they'll it's kind of like they'll get a little bit of healing, as it were. A couple of layers of the onion get peeled off, and right. they feel a, a better, and they're thankful, etc. Yep. But long term, you haven't, for example, especially that second step here of that confrontation. Long term, if you haven't really dug that out, you might yes. just say or, or begun to bring that to the surface, deal with those things. They'll they they will come up again. And they will hinder 
uh, that person, oftentimes, uh, you know, um, then the, that's why sometimes the journey takes longer because then they have to, two years later, they want to talk to you again and they realize, <laughs> oh, I just kind of scratched the surface. Yes. Now, there, there is, of, of course, sometimes uh, Jesus in his mercy only does a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he, he he's a great physician and he knows no this needs to happen first yes. you know we can't really go there yet to where this yes. you know but we've got to uh, this person doesn't trust me enough to open that dark closet that's got right. a lock on it but if right. we can get them to do a few things you, you, you know he know i tell you what one of the things i'm so convinced of is that he is a great physician. Yes. He knows how to do this. But on the other hand, I think we miss just because we don't take the time. Uh, and we ourselves are too enamored, I think, with, you might just say, the pop. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, yes. And uh, we, we, need to, we need to get over that and just, yeah. you know. Trust yeah. the process, as it were. <laughs> That's right. So, t so talk to us about the five ways Jesus heals, because that is so much part of the process. Um, it's it's not a one and done thing with Jesus. So often, um, there are multiple ways that He heals, and the more we understand about those multiple ways He heals, the more likely we are to really to really get to that holistic response and not just a half hearted one. Right. Uh, uh, I, I learned this from Dr. Frank Stanger, who was the president of Asbury Seminary when I was a student, and he had a, a very strong emphasis on healing. And he talked about the five miracles of healing, and I like to call them the five ways Jesus heals. He, Jesus heals directly and supernaturally. That's what we think of generally when we think of, of healing ministry. Right. Um, and praise God that Jesus does heal that way, and we should pray for supernatural healing. And expect that, uh, but Jesus also heals through medicine and doctors. Uh, you know, Luke, who wrote about twenty-five percent of the New Testament, was a was a a, a beloved physician, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, and we should we should pray for doctors and thank God for them and ask the Lord to use them. Uh, in fact, I think we should take people in the healthcare, you might say, professions. And, you know, the folks that work as nurses and doctors and counselors, I think we should uh, we should uh, lay hands on those people in our local yeah. church and say, you're a part of the healing ministry of Jesus. Yeah. And, yes. and we want we yes. want to we want to acknowledge that and, and yes. anoint you for that. Yes. Because Jesus heals through medical doctors and, and, and medicine. And then Jesus heals thirdly through the, the healing powers of the human body, that he has designed our bodies to heal. And we know this, uh, you know, uh, just study your immune system a little bit. And uh, so many of the things that the body does, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, about trauma and all they've learned, you know, through all the brain research uh, mm -hmm. And uh, they were talking about how the brain actually wants, works to heal itself. Yeah. You know? Wow. And, and uh, it, it, it will do it if you will, you know, 
and they were talking about this tech, this AMDR uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, process and how that was helping them. But, you know, they were just basically by doing, engaging in that, sort of enabling their brain to do what it wants to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, your body, your brain, your system. And that, of course, is important because it leads to an emphasis on holistic healing and the need for, you know, diet and exercise and sleep and yes. laughter and social interaction, all these kinds of things that uh, that enable our bodies actually to do what they're really good at, you yes. know. And sometimes uh, in healing ministry, we try to get rid of obstacles. Unforgiveness, for example, can uh, can create physical problems for people. Uh, mm-hmm. And when they when they forgive someone, I've seen the physical problem they had just go away on its own, as it were. Yeah, I've amazingly, isn't it? Amazingly, Amazing. it's like you know. Um, so the, that's the third way. The fourth uh, way that G- that Jesus heals is through um, giving us sufficient grace, like He did Paul with his thorn in the flesh that He didn't take away, even though Paul said it was a messenger of Satan. But God said, "No, I'm not going to remove that. But I'm going to I'm going to use the weakness to." Uh, magnify my power in you. And uh, God gives people supernatural grace to endure and to deal with infirmities and situations in their lives. And I I don't know about you, Carolyn, but I've been around some folks who, wow, they didn't get physically healed or the problem didn't get taken away but there was just so much supernatural grace that was given to them that the glory of the lord yeah filled the room as it were yes. when i yes. was with them uh-huh. and i went away being blessed to be in their presence mm-hmm. you know so that's a way that i i, I believe that's a way that jesus heals Oh, I, I I completely agree. I, although I will have to say, God is more of a fan of perseverance than I am. <laughs> yes, <laughs> He seems to really love perseverance, and uh, and and it is such a great sanctifier. It is, it, it's it's truly. I mean, it is a stellar sanctifier. But man, it's the it's the thing that separates the men from the boys, as they say. Yeah, it's the yeah, thing that yeah. really separates the and, and it, but it what you end up with is what Paul ended up with. It's just this incredible faith. I mean, it's this re- remarkable faith. And um, But I'd never really thought of perseverance as a healer. But I, I can think of a situation in, in our church right now, someone who is going through it physically, and the very act of perseverance has created a spiritual maturity in them that could not have happened any other way. Yeah. yeah. And they would what? say, they would say they are grateful for the disease because of what they have learned about God from it. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Carolyn, you mentioned uh, uh, perseverance being a sanctifier. You know, ultimately, uh, what, what endures is faith, hope, and love. Yes. And, and um, so sometimes by not healing, God uses these things 
to to create and increase faith, hope, and love in us. Mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. It's not that you know he's angry with us, yeah. or it's not that we don't have enough faith. It's just that he's doing something bigger. He's you know he's got bigger. I like to say he's got bigger fish to fry. He's he's yes. you know, and uh, he's working on us. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyway, the last way that you, that Jesus heals is through victorious dying. Uh, mm-hmm. death we we die and we grieve and and we lament but we don't grieve as others we you know, you know death has lost its sting and death is not for the christian a sunset but a dawn right you know it's a doorway into mm-hmm. the in, into the life to come mm-hmm. into the presence of jesus mm-hmm. and uh in our early methodist tradition there was a lot of emphasis in wesley uh, on victorious dying among the Methodists mm-hmm. on victorious mm-hmm. dying. Uh, wow! Uh, they you wrote, hear that you hear about it among Catholics, especially monastics, uh, yeah. but not among the, the the rest of us so much. And and it's almost like it's almost like, especially in the, in the healing world, that's a um, it's a it's an escape clause. <laughs> well, if nothing else works, you know, we can say, well, you know, look, they've had the ultimate healing, but that's. It says a lot about our worldview when we really, truly, all the way through get it, that death is the victory <laughs> right. for a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and so we should, we should pray. In some cases, uh, particularly when we're praying with elderly folks, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to be one of those now, uh, but uh, we should pray for a victorious dying. Yeah, that somehow uh, this this dying process would uh-huh. would give evidence to resurrection power in their life. Yes, and you know, uh, I've been in some situations where you know you walked into this home where this person was dying, and it was so dark, and just the heaviness, and mm-hmm. the you know, and the despair of death was all over the place. Yes, well, I'm talking about actually a grace that Jesus wants to give us. To, to enable us to die uh, with with victory, you you know, yes. and yes. Uh, and I've I've been in those situations too uh-huh. with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Just this morning, I was with someone who um, had what I would call a supernatural invitation into somebody else's life. Um, it was, she found herself praying with a stranger. Uh, a stranger who was in some distress. And she left that encounter with a strong sense of burden for that life she had just prayed for. And that's why she called me. She called me like, so what do I do with this? Because I feel for this person now. I don't even know where to find them, but I feel for them now. And so that, that just in the midst of, uh, of, of, uh, preparing for this conversation with you, I get this call and I am made freshly aware that there is both mystery and messiness in the work of healing. <laughs> um, and you talk about the necessity of becoming comfortable with both. So how do we do that? How do we respond responsibly to mystery and messiness in healing prayer ministry? Uh, well, I think one thing we have to do uh, is get comfortable with it ourselves because i mean we don't like we don't like it right we don't like this people want answers 
Um, I remember as a young pastor, you know, going into into situations where, you know, there'd just been a car accident or there was, uh, you know, a death that had happened. And, and I wanted, you know, I'm in the presence of people who are dealing with the shock and maybe they're crying out and they're crying, they're angry, mm -hmm. all these kinds of emotions. And mm -hmm. I wanted to immediately figure out a way to put a, you know, a, a bow on that and, you know, <laughs> wrap it up and, and, or say something that would, you know, help. And I, I learned how important it was just to be silent, you know, it's, it, uh -huh. it's you know, like Job's friends, if they'd have just kept for seven days, they didn't say anything. Yeah. And then they opened their mouths and got into a lot of trouble. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, but what I realized it, it was that I, as a person, had to get comfortable with that. Yes. And it forced me, actually, to, to own my own mortality, mm -hmm. my own weakness, my mm -hmm. own. And, and, and particularly as a young pastor, I didn't want to deal with any of that or own any of that. I wanted to be able to to solve things and fix them. Right, you know? right. And so right. what I'm saying is, I think part of this process of getting comfortable is we've got to actually learn, uh, ask ourselves what's going on uh, because this will stir up everything that's in you that's a lot of unresolved things and and, and some of your own issues, you know. Yes. Uh, so I think that's the first thing I would say. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got to actually. And so what I kind of learned to do is almost like I, I just walk into those situations. And I, I knew that learning to be silent was the was the best thing. The, the most eloquent thing I could say was to say nothing. You know? Yeah. I learned good. that. But I I had to deal with something in me. Uh, yeah. and, and some of my own uh, issues, et cetera. Um, I also think you have to deal with, you have to resist the, uh, what's in other people because other people want you to be able to give them, uh, to, to, to get rid of the mystery. They don't want to deal with it either. Right. And, and, and when you live in this culture of ours, you know, we're just kind of convinced that technology can solve everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and, 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 and that somehow it, we'll just learn them. Eventually we'll get this figured out. And so the whole notion of mystery uh, is, is alien to us. We, we want to be in control. This is really an, a, this is really a control issue. See, that I've got to deal with so often. Uh, and other people want us to help them be in control. Yes. And so, um, so I have to resist that, you know, and then I just ultimately the reason I, um, I, I believe so strongly in this, and this goes back to my theology, is because, and I, I, I touch on this in the book, you know, uh, the Trinity, which is a foundation of our faith, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, this, the, the Trinity confronts me with mystery. Yes. You know, how is God three and one? Yes. And one and three? Right. You know, we can make some, some sense out of that, but we, we still walk away with a lot of questions. Yes. You know, 
And so if, if there's a Trinitarian imprint on all that God has created and made, then maybe mystery is, is actually written into the warp and woof of things. And so there's mystery in just about all of life. And so knowing that, it's, it's, you might just say this was God's idea. Yeah. Uh, helps me to hold on to that when uh, my my control issues don't like it and other people don't like it and I can just stay there in the midst of it. And uh, uh, so those are some things that, that, that I think have been helpful to me. Uh, or just, so helpful, so yeah. helpful. I, I remember <laughs> when I was in your class, probably 27, 28 years ago, um, probably would have been about 27 years ago. And I, I had come to that place in my seminary career where I was having to deal with the Trinity and I could not make sense of him. I could not make sense of God's Trinitarian character. And I, I, um, totally ironically grew up in a church called Trinity on the Hill uh-huh. and yet had, had never really dealt personally and deeply with what that means. I remember asking Sam Honeycutt, do you remember him? Yeah. Asking Sam Honeycutt one day, why can't I get it? Why can't I get it? And he looked at me and he said, it's mystery. And I thought, well, that's a cop out. That's a cheap one. So we got into your class and I was, you know, it was a big class. So it was, this was one of your bigger classes. And I'm, but I raised my hand and somebody had brought in some Neapolitan ice cream. That's what got me that day and was trying oh, okay. to connect the Trinity with vanilla chocolate and strawberry ice cream. And I was furious. I can't be, it cannot be as simple as three different flavors of artificially flavored ice cream. And, and, uh, so I, I said, what is it? And I remember you kind of, Drawing these circles on the board and saying it's it just goes, you know, it's 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 God, it's God, the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You're just kind of drawing these circles and you finally turn around and you look at me and go, It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. And I think that maybe one of the signs of spiritual maturity is the day we can hear that and not be frustrated by it. But but find it to be deep and reassuring even, right? right. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and one thing I think some of your listeners, when they hear that word mystery, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to think of a detective novel, uh, you know, an Agatha Christie mystery. Uh, yes. We associate mystery with darkness and, you know. Yes. Uh, well, actually, this is the Trinity is not a mystery of darkness. It's a mystery of too much light. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, you know, I've never words, heard that before. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words, God has revealed Himself to us, uh-huh. as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that revelation uh, is is more than we can our minds, you might just say, can comprehend. Yeah. Uh, so it's the mystery of of too much light, not you know something obscure. Uh, like a mystery religion or mystery, uh, you know, something you don't know, you know. Right. Uh, and and so it 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 strikes me that uh, that maybe there maybe the right response in the face of mystery is silence. Maybe this is why we're told over and over, "Be still and know." Yes. Um, because because if if 
if there is nothing that can be said to explain mystery, then maybe we're waiting for the language of heaven to somehow permeate our beings and explain what cannot be explained. And that can only be heard in silence. Yeah. Yeah. That's so uh, good. So true. That's the right response, you know. Uh, Or Mm -hmm. uh, maybe silence uh, and maybe just bowing down. Yes. In the presence. Yes. Of of mystery, you know. Yes. Awe awe and and silence, but also just uh, surrender, as it were, you know. And yes. acknowledging that, you know. Yeah, so this whole work of healing prayer is not meant to be something we control. It's not a three-part process that we learn and click off, check in boxes. Maybe it is more about surrender. The work of maybe the work of healing prayer is more about surrender. surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And and a deep humility in the face of the divine mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Steve, I cannot thank you enough, Dr. Steve Siemens, for giving us your time and your wisdom today. Follow the Healer is the book, Biblical and Theological Foundations for Healing Ministry. It's out through a partnership with Zondervan and Seabed just this year. And uh, I am, I cannot recommend it highly enough as one who does uh, delve into healing prayer. This has been such this, I couldn't wait for it to come. And uh, you have not disappointed, not in the least, and I wouldn't have expected it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us your time and your wisdom today. Hey, it's my pleasure, Carolyn. It's it's always a joy to talk with you. And uh, 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 for us to just sort of uh, uh, maybe just sort of hang around the edges of the mystery a little bit and reflect yes. on that. <laughs> it's ah, fun. That's the sweetest place of all, isn't yes, it? It's the yes. sweetest place of all. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my goodness, just so deep and so rich. It is glorious to talk to somebody who has such a long history of the practice of healing prayer. And Steve Siemens is certainly that guy. Just a few things I want to pull out to kind of highlight for you. Um, Focusing on Jesus helps us personalize God's work in a life. I loved what he said that that while the Holy Spirit is the mover and shaker in healing ministry, so often the Holy Spirit comes to us as something that, as someone who is more abstract, we almost treat him like a something, even though he is a someone. But when we focus on Jesus, we really begin to understand how God works in a life because we see in the Gospels how God works in a life through Jesus. And so, Without the life of Jesus, we, we we lose some of the moral and ethical grounding. We, 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 we lose the sense of history that ties us. This healing thing that is happening right now ties us to the gospel story, and we lose that. And um, and healing is the in the primary sign of the inbreaking kingdom, and it's love. It is love that does the healing. Love is the power. I loved our conversation around that. Um, and that God channels love through us. I just love all that we, that whole part of the conversation where we talked about the the feelings or the emotions of Jesus. And I want to ask you this question: Have you shut down a feeling? And if so, 
is that something that might benefit from emotional healing? And if so, how are you planning to go after that so that you can receive and not just receive, but open up a channel for ministry in your own life? So, um, yeah, I just, I loved everything. I loved how he broke down the five ways that Jesus heals and, um, and, and loved this question. Are you comfortable with mystery and messiness? Are you, are you willing to have your own junk stirred up as you enter into the healing of another life? Just so much good stuff because this really is a control issue. If I'm, if, if I am, uncomfortable with mess or mystery it may be that i really have control needs that in my own life that need to be dealt with again are you, is this something that you're willing to go after in the place of healing prayer i'm going to leave you with this one last quote so beautiful if there is a trinitarian imprint on everything then maybe mystery is meant to be part of everything that we do as followers of jesus So my prayer for you as you uh, leave this conversation and enter back into the world is that you will go looking for mystery and go looking for mess and jump in, lean in so that God and all his goodness can shine in you and through you. Go in peace. Talk to you next week.